Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast. Now, why do we call it Philosophy? It's a combination of the words sales and philosophy put into one. Philosophy is a way of life that sales professionals and entrepreneurs practice with the purpose to make the world a better place from the customer's perspective. Today, I'm excited to bring on Ricky Gonzalez, who is a financial services industry expert and has successfully built his business model through the power of social media. And his mission is to motivate entrepreneurs to put things into perspective, understanding that the journey is what makes us happy. Ricky, welcome and thank you for being here today. Well, thank you very much for your invitation, Carlos. It's very kind of you and I'm very happy to be here. So sure. we, we met each other uh, in, a, in this exact location, which is my, my brother's uh, firm. We have a training room and we happen to have the space to meet with a, another influencer who is a wonderful thought leader, a great, kind human being, Chris Doe. And then we got a chance to network a little bit. And so this is why I brought you on, because you definitely have a, an interesting story to tell. And, uh, you know, you have a really heartwarming approach in the way that you build relationships and you've built your business model. And so thank you for accepting my invitation and would love to just learn a little bit about your story, what got you into where you are and anything else you'd like to share with our listeners. Well, thank you um, again for the opportunity, Carlos. It's an honor to be here. And uh, going back real uh, quick to Chris, though, um, he's an amazing mentor of us. Um, he has been for many years and uh, here we are, not by coincidence, but uh, by choice and uh, it's an honor again to be here. So a little bit about my background. I started in financial services. I am the CEO and the owner of Pinnacle Financial Group. We have been in the industry for since 2001. I started back in 1999 when I got my license in insurance here in, the, in Miami. A little bit about my background. I am Puerto Rican. I come from a tight-knit family. Mother and father are still alive. They're 68. I, I have um, five brothers. Two of them passed already from cancer. Mm. It's a little bit of a tough deal there, but um, it just shows a little bit of resilience. Um, I was brought up with mom and dad taking care of us and making sure that we do the right thing for others. And put things in perspective, again, going back to my mission on my social media, I, I believe a lot in motivation and making sure that folks understand that there are options out there. We don't have to be just a product of our circumstances, which is a very common theme out there. Yeah. Um, I believe that we have the opportunity to assess where we are in life and then just make a decision whether we want to accept it or not and then we'll move from there my channel in instagram is ricky g advisor that's the uh, motivational um, side of it i remember i started it about seven years ago and i, ha I know I, I knew i had a message i just didn't know what type of message that i had i remember i was just starting to post again old post this message stays constant it's about being candid being empathetic uh, understanding other people's needs and now, of course, you know, new designs, new graphics, new technology to make it look prettier, but the message is the same. So what I did is that instead of me trying to hit my market in a typical way where we become salespeople, I thought about it and I said, let me just grow up a channel where I can motivate people. And eventually they're going to ask me, what do I do? Sure. So that's what I did. I opened up then Pinnacle Financial Group as far as the Instagram side. It came out to be a successful way of channeling my audience from one end to my business side. Yeah, that's really interesting because on one side, you have a passion, which is something that drives you. And what moves you and drives you is helping others, motivating others, inspiring others. And you have a very interesting story, right? Because there you've had a lot of obstacles in, in your life. And so you speak from experience 
and that helps your audience connect authentically with you. And then as a byproduct of that, as you mentioned, I love that that concept of you just doing what you love and sharing your message to the world. And then just as a byproduct, they're just going to happen to ask you, hey, what do you do professionally? And then you've got additional value that you bring to the marketplace, which is your skills and knowledge in the financial sector, specifically around certain target markets, which will lead us a little bit around what I'd like to talk about today's podcast, the concept of understanding your audience, your target audience, or your buyer persona, if you will. So let's dive a little bit deeper into that. So we know what you love as a passion, but on the technical side, what is the value that you bring to the marketplace? Good question, Carlos. So as a financial advisor, stockbroker, um, we are always from the beginning thought about assets under management and being able to grab everybody's IRA and just gather assets, gather assets, gather assets. In 2001, 9-11 happened. Sure. So that was my first time where I had to face my clients and tell them, I'm sorry, the market is down 30%. There's absolutely nothing I could do about it. And these are folks that are 63, 64, about to hit retirement. And and it was really hard, a hard conversation. I also went through the 1999 bubble. And then 2008 was when I decided I no longer want to be an asset under management. And, and it wasn't that I was a bad trader. It's just the fact that I had to face these folks that had their retirements set up with me and, and their market didn't perform. So I needed to find a way that I can really bring value to these folks. And the way that I did it was just concentrate my 100% of my efforts in the retirement side, meaning Medicare, long-term care, final expense, which means you have been working all of your life. You're contributing to your retirement. You have these dreams. But if you don't plan accordingly, life is going to happen. Yeah. So you turn 65 and and now you have to make a decision because it's a mental decision. You have been contributing all of your life. You feel like you are producing and you are making things happen. Now, when you are not doing that anymore because you're not contributing to your to your 401k or to your assets and to your brokerage accounts, now you have to turn a, a mental switch where now distribution comes in. And there's a lot of fear because where do we put our assets? How do we manage Medicare? How do we manage a long-term care situation, even death? So that's when I decided, you know what, this is what I'm going to be good at. And hopefully folks are going to follow. And, and they have. And they yeah. have. That's great. And again, you have a, a wonderful purpose, which is you, you want to provide guidance to folks who are arriving at a later stage in their life. And many people think that they're going to live forever or they think they're young in their mind. And before they know it, they've arrived at retirement. And do they have everything in place to maybe pass on their legacy to their family or to live comfortably the final stage of their life? So it's a very sensitive subject. And it's a target market that also has very unique needs. They have a different lifestyle. Their priorities are different. The kind of personality they have, they are even in a different generation. So they are living in a world where things are continuing to change, yet they are accustomed to maybe do business a certain way. They interact with people to guide them differently. So I'm curious, how did you and your team master the process of interacting with these folks so that you are adding value and they trust you to do business with them? How do you do that? Well, more? good question, Carlos, as well. So 
the other vertical that I have in my industry and my on my business, I do a lot of business continuation planning. And what I do with that, the reason I came up with specializing in business continuation is because many of my older folks that I'm helping through Medicare and through their 65 and older, I'm talking about 70, 75, 80-year-old people, I started asking the simple question about what is it that your son does or your daughter does? What do they do? And typically, they, people like to talk about themselves. Sure. And, and that has led me to actually increase my value proposition because now I'm helping what you just mentioned now, legacy. Life insurance is the product that helps me um, fund this business continuation planning. It is not about the death benefit only. It's about the legacy. It's about properly passing on your business to your heirs and to your business partner, making sure that you keep the company. So going back to the older generation and how is it that I, I'm able to get in front of them, I am a big believer, like um, Gary Vaynerchuk says, uh, to become a practitioner and become your ma the major of your town in whatever it is that you do. So I am very active in the Chamber of Commerce. I'm very active in a group. I'm sure you folks understand BNI, what they do. Right. And what I do is basically on BNI, I just use it for specific generation within the group that is targeted for me, and I can pitch there specifically what is it that I need. It's called an ask. Mm -hmm. So I ask every week, I'm looking for HR consultants, I'm looking for folks that are retiring, and I'm looking for teachers that need to roll over the 403B. And that leads me to then also position myself as the expert in business continuation and Medicare. Perfect. Then I also do the Chamber of Commerce because that's where I got massive brand recognition. So I got those two ways of putting myself out there. It's either becoming the major of my town for Medicare and business continuation, and or going to the chamber and just putting my my initials pinnacle financial group the name again they're gonna ask Eventually right. they're gonna ask yeah no that's great and interesting because i didn't know that who are the i guess the influencers or centers of influence or the decision makers that get you in front of your desired audience mm -hmm. so you've got the leads now and you have a team as well i think you mentioned up in 19 uh, yep and what are their roles I guess, walk us through that. And then what is your role in helping them successfully carry out the mission that you have around wanting to help folks you know, prepare for continuation and all those uh, other? So on, on a typical agency where you are the owner and the CEO and you are also a producer, because I like to keep myself as being a producer. But then my, my sales force, I train them in the marketplace and what products are better or not. What I do to maximize and leverage my knowledge with these folks, these are 19 agents that I manage. What happens is that typical 80-20 rule, you know, 20% of them are going to be the ones that are going to be out there. I don't have to wake them up every morning. I don't, because I'm not a micromanager. I hate being a micromanager. To your question, I make sure that they understand what questions to ask once they actually get in front of a, an elder to help them with their Medicare. Once they find the money, like we call it in the industry, now they know that the son does this or they have a 401k that they need to roll over, then I will come over and I help them close that deal. Okay. Um, so it's a very simple process. Do a proper fact finding because again, it's all a, it's all based on the client's pers personal and very specific needs. And then from there, they come back to me and then I will assess what's, what's there and, and see if, if I can help them maximize. Hey everyone, as I reflect on my conversation with Ricky, today's theme is about planning. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. 
just make sure that you have a plan for retirement, have a plan for your healthcare needs, have a plan for the unexpected. As a matter of fact, there's a statistic that says an estimated of 70% of people reaching the age of 65 today will need some form of long-term care. Think about that. In the next segment, we're going to talk about client buyer persona. Check it out. In, in your knowledge or in your space, needs are constantly changing. Market trends are constantly changing. We've got emerging technologies. We've got uncertainty like you know, a war or things of that nature. And I'm sure that causes up new concerns for your client base. So how do you prepare your team to adapt to those changing needs for, of, your, of your target audience? Good question. Um, and, and also um, to touch on, on how do we manage a change, it, it comes not only as a, as a solution provider to the client, but we also had to go through it as an agency through COVID because we are a face-to-face -face agency where we make appointments. We use direct mail um, leads, these folks that are turning 65 with disease, public information. So we will just mail them you know, do a drip mail campaign, a direct mail campaign based on a zip code and some demographic data. And then these folks will return back what we call a permission to contact. They fill in their info. Although we already have it, they kind of sign off on it. That way we can approach them by CMS rules. So because we're a face-to-face -face agency, when COVID happened, I happened to have good good knowledge of telesales. So I was able to write on my own pen and still keep the agency floating. But Many of my agents and, and agents all across, I mean, companies that are private, I don't know if I should be naming names here, but um, companies, you know, the big companies for health insurance, they couldn't even send their own captive agents. That's how bad it got. So annual enrollment period, which is the time when the agents members can change their uh, Medicare plan, they couldn't be seen by any captive agents. So we as independent agents, we had to take the decision whether we want to face COVID, wear a mask or not. Yeah. But that first year was terrible, man. It yeah. Was well, and if you think about the, the again the target market that are the elderly, which are most vulnerable, it must have been just really stressful, not only for them but also for folks who are dependent on income in in a space where you have to interact with elderly, and yeah. so if they need to sign documents or meet face to face, and and we know that adapting was difficult for everyone, for a lot of people but especially elders knowing that they were a more exposed and more vulnerable population it must have been hard in your industry to make sure that you guys pivot you know the famous word that's used in covid so that you can still be able to do business and serve their needs yeah. because it's not just about you know i need to sell more it's also about you know there are people out there who need these things yeah. and someone needs to serve them so definitely want to jump into a couple of things so I, i've pulled up an article one thing you'll know about me, I, I love researching and, and getting into a subject really deep. But as we think about a buyer persona or knowing your demographic or your client audience, there was a snippet from this this article that says, basically, you want to think about and speak about this model customer as if they were a real person. So when you're marketing, when you're speaking to them, right, this will allow you to craft marketing messages targeted specifically to them. So I guess my question to you is when you're marketing to them or when you're scripting to them, what are some key phrases or, you know, key scripting that your team uses, whether it's in your marketing or even if it's an outbound calling? Because I'm, I'm guessing that this target audience are 
are more comfortable speaking on the phone or I guess knowing kind of how they like to interact and what they like to hear, what are some of the key messages that you guys say to them that makes them feel connected to your mission? That's a very, very deep question. And, and the reason I say that is because remember that we're talking about seniors, right? In this case, we're talking about seniors. Let's forget the business owners for a minute. These seniors, baby boomers are, I'm talking about 75 and plus, they did not understand technology. So we had to get over the hurdle, number one, of getting through to them on the phone. Typical business one-on-one, you know, business for Medicare sales. You have to get them on the phone and then make an appointment to come see them. But what happens when you're in COVID and all of a sudden you have to tell them you have to download Zoom <laughs> or you have to trust me, sir, that I am going to do the best for you. So it was hard. It was really hard. Now, um, resilience and the way I come across is different than from my other agent, right? It's really hard. Yeah. And, and to answer your question, they're, they're, my pitch is just based on the truth, man. It sounds very cliche, and I don't want to get there, but when I talk to my prospects, I have gone through, my mom and my dad are 68, so I can relate. They have lost two brothers, two siblings already from cancer, so I can relate. I have lost my brothers from cancer, so I can relate. So when I talk to them and I tell them, listen, have you planned for this? It's because it's going to happen. You know, 70% of us are going to need some sort of long-term care in our life, yet only 3% of us plan or pay for a long-term care policy. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I get it. It's high, high expensive premiums. There's ways to handle long-term care, and this is not a sales pitch, but to the point is we need to make sure that we establish the need, and, and these folks have it. They need yeah. it. It's just affordability, number one, and also just, you know, again, going back to the pitch or to the words that I use is, sir, what happens if? I use yeah. open-ended questions because yep. you don't want to come across as, Remember that these folks, if you meet them at 73, 74 years old, they already made a few decisions in their life, good or bad. You don't want to put them down. You don't want to say, hey, you made a mistake. You want to just try to fix it. So how do we fix it? By, again, sitting down, seeing their pain points, and then coming up with good solutions. If there's nothing I could do for them, I'll tell them. And I want to go back to the what if, right? The what if are really good ways for you to get someone to think about future possibilities future scenarios and put them in a place where they if you were to have to make this decision when and if this happens what decision would you make right or are you prepared for it Mm -hmm. and many many people when they get asked these questions it's kind of that's the pause where they think and they might say something like oh i didn't think about it that way right Mm -hmm. and that's that's a key turning point in your conversation where now they no longer see you as someone who's trying to pitch them or sell them something, they see you as, you know, a guide or an ally trying to help them navigate through what will be some difficult things that will happen at a point in their life. And uh, that's just such a key part of the conversation is the open-ended questions, but I love the idea of what if, right? Mm-hmm. What if you didn't do this? What, what could be the consequence? What's the opportunity cost mm-hmm. of not acting now or, or just, positioning certain things that even if the conversation ended they're gonna think about that you planted a seed they're gonna they're gonna go to bed Mm -hmm. and in their bed they're gonna play a movie they're gonna play a movie of their life with that what if for sure and that's 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 an art right of being able to paint a picture that they haven't seen before and it's not ill-intended it's not manipulative but you got to 
puts, like you said, the truth mm-hmm. of the perspective of what it is. And you, your story, you know, having close relatives and friends impacted by things in, in the space that you work in obviously makes it even more compelling. Mm-hmm. But when you have someone that doesn't know your story and it's your team that has to do it and they haven't experienced it, how do you help someone like a salesperson that hasn't gone through that stuff or maybe can't, have you ever coached uh, a sales person who has to identify this target audience but doesn't really have personal truth or personal experience to share any techniques you could share? Sure. That um, have helped? On the Medicare side, it, it is a very transactional deal. In other words, you have to make a decision when you turn 65 whether you're going to join a Medicare plan or you're not. So I do write loans with my agents, especially the new ones, because they need to see how I present, how I do the fact-finding before they start just pitching a product, right? We represent all the carriers. So that makes me be very easy going on what carrier they go because they are all the same. What to me matters is continuation of care, meaning who is your primary care, who is your specialist, because the last thing I want to do is get them in a plan which I think is better for them, when in reality they're not going to be able to use it. Um, if you're 65 or older and you probably have already an established relationship with your primary care, you probably have a cardiologist for the last 30 years, I don't need to change you. I just need to know what plans accept your your cardiologist on that example. But then on the agent side, um, I think repetition and being out there on the, on the daily, that's what's going to make them be empathetic. Empathy, you can learn empathy. I believe so. Yes, you might be born with more empathic views, I guess, than other people. But at the very end of the day, once you start putting yourself as an as an exercise to put yourself in the shoes of the other people that you're trying to pitch or help both ways, that's going to give you perspective. And again, you, you don't need to personally have a, a tragedy to relate because we all know somebody that passed from cancer. It would be a friend, an uncle, right? you know? Yeah. So so that's what I'm saying. Use use your life experience. I mean, if you're yeah. over 25, 30 years old, you have been through a lot of things already. So sure. use that. Sure. Yeah, and storytelling, maybe even third-party mm-hmm. experiences are helpful. I know that, you know, when I was 18, I worked at an electronics store selling TVs and digital cameras back then, which were a lot more popular than they are now. Now now your camera's on your phone. <laughs> but I remember there were people twice my age that have lived twice as much as I have and experienced a lot. And when I was struggling with selling, the only thing that helped me is using stories maybe about a family member, a friend, or someone I knew, or maybe a, a past customer. You know, when someone's giving me an objection and say, you know, it's, it's funny you say that. I just had a customer come in last week with a camera that broke six months after and they didn't buy that warranty yeah. and they wish they probably had, right? And so just sharing a compelling story to say, I'm not saying it's going to happen to you, but here's the opportunity cost of not protecting your assets, right? And this is just a very simple, uh, basic example. In the bank, when I started, I was 21 years old, 22. And I had to tell people that they got a plan for retirement twice my age, right? At 40, 45. And how, how could I do it? And in my head, I was playing myself the movie of saying, this guy's not going to listen to me. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm half his age. But part of me was like, I like this challenge because conceptually I believe in it, mm-hmm. right? And because I believe in it, 
I signed up for a 401k the moment I turned 18 because I believed in, you know, in my head, I don't want to be 65. Yes, it's very far away from now, but, you know, I, I'm thankful for the values that I was taught mm-hmm. by my parents and, and, you know, being a planner and, and making sure you're responsible with, with finances. But, you know, I think some of it is, is internally driven too, mm-hmm. but teaching that is, is very difficult. And I think one of the things that you mentioned that was key is that you model their behaviors, right? They observe you. They sit in with you mm-hmm. talking to customers, watch them, interact. watch you interact with those customers and then learn how to repeat those behaviors and know what the right practices are. Mm-hmm. But awesome conversation. Really appreciate learning not only about your business in particular, but also your mission and what you're here to do to help the world become a better place. What else would you like to share about yourself, you know, for our listeners maybe on a personal side, what do you like to do for fun when you're not helping the world get motivated and helping your target clients with solutions? I am kind of a boring dude. Well, I'm not. I used to be super going out there. I mean, I, I play in a band. I play salsa. And um, How is that boring? That's amazing. It's not, right? I'm but, a musician myself. But so. it's three years of not doing it or whatnot. So I'm not, right now I'm just dedicated to the gym, you know, trying to live a better lifestyle. As far as health and whatnot, but uh, be you, play, you play the drums. I play, I play, yeah, the conga and bongo, Latin percussion, timbales. We have someone next door who actually is a musician as well. So we're really? right after this, we're gonna do a jam session. All right, good him. deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, but as far as thank you, thank you for having me. Uh, I cannot believe twenty eight minutes went, went over already so quick, and that happens when you're having good conversation. It happens to me a lot. So, folks, just just know this. First of all, if you're listening to this podcast and you're between 20 and 30, don't worry. You got time. You got a lot of time ahead of you. Don't fall for that rat race. There's no no need for you to be competing against anybody. As long as you're better today than you were yesterday, it's already a win. And I don't want to sound and close this as a cliche, but at the very end of the day, trust me when I tell you, folks, you are young. If you are between 25 and 35, you still got another 30 years ahead of you. So do what the best thing that you could do. Learn every day and just do the right thing. That's, a great, come back, man. That's a great message. And I, I love the quote from Benjamin Franklin, which is you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You can't plan for every little thing, mm-hmm. but it's always nice to have a plan. Yeah. Right. And a balance of having a plan but also enjoying the journey mm-hmm. not going one extreme or the other the extreme of anything is always a bad thing For sure ricky how can people get in touch with you or get to know more about you if you want to follow me on instagram you can check me out at ricky g advisor that will be my main page that i manage personally my agency is pinnacle financial group also in instagram but the way you get to me is just ricky g advisor it's super simple and i'll, I'll manage it myself of course and I'll just help you as much as I can. No, nothing intended other than help. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me. I know this is a short but very impactful and valuable conversation. And I hope that in some future you can join us again and tell us a little bit more. I, I'd love to see how your business and your message continues to impact the world. So thank you again, Ricky. Thank you for having, having me here, Carlos. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, folks. Bye-bye.